The South Carolina primary is coming up. It's the first in the South and the first winner-take-all contest. What am I watching for? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. When I'm not moved around for Georgia sports, and that's totally fine, I'm here today at my normal time, 3 to 6, taking calls live. And it's a really intense period right now in this country because the presidential primaries have started. The New Hampshire primary was the first one. That was Tuesday. South Carolina is the next one. That's a week from today. And I think that by this time next month, by March 15th, we'll have... I think we'll know who the nominee is going to be. I think that even though it looks like uh, it's hard to tell, Trump is obviously the front runner. But I have a feeling that the not Trump vote, which I do believe is the majority vote, will coalesce behind one candidate over these next few weeks. So I'm really watching what's happening in these primaries now. And something that just happened this year with the Republican National Convention, uh, uh, the Republican rules for their primary uh, selection process, delegate selection process, is that delegates will be awarded on a proportional basis in primaries and caucuses. So if you come in first, you get whatever percentage vote you got. You get basically, I mean, there are some refinements, but you get a certain number of delegates. Number two gets some delegates, blah, 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 uh, until March 15th, and then it's winner take all. The only exception before then is South Carolina, which is, like I said, a week from today, and that is a winner-take-all state. They have 50 delegates, which is as many delegates as has been awarded so far between Iowa and New Hampshire, and uh, and whoever wins it is going to get all those delegates, and whoever comes in second, even a close second, is going to get zero. So what happened last week? Uh, The New Hampshire primary was Tuesday. Uh, It was a little bit of a surprise. Not Trump, absolutely, landslide, as expected. But Kasich came in number two. I think that was a big surprise. But it was a distant second. Trump got 35% of the vote. Kasich got 16. Cruz got 12, almost. He just edged out Jeb with 11%. And Rubio got almost 11%. So I had said, actually, that, and you might not remember, a week is a long time, but... Jeb got less than 3% of the vote in Iowa. It was not a sure thing that he was going to get in the top four in New Hampshire. But last week, coming into that, uh, the New Hampshire primary on my show on Saturday, I said I thought Jeb would do well in the debate that night and that he would surprise to the upside in New Hampshire that Tuesday by coming in third or fourth. I figured uh, there was that this would be The first time in history, now it's yet to play out, and and people are not talking about it, which surprises me in the mainstream media, but New Hampshire, if you look back, the primary process wasn't established with our founders. It's kind of evolved over time, and it didn't really, it only even started to be what it is now, like in the middle of the last century. So if you go back to World War II, which is even before it became this serious, But if you go back to World War II, no one in either party got the nomination who did not come in first or second in New Hampshire. So the number one and number two guy has always been the nominee uh, in both parties uh, from New Hampshire. So this year, the top two guys are Trump and Kasich. Now, I don't think Kasich's going to be the nominee, and I 
don't think a lot of people think he is going to be the nominee. But that means that, I mean, the, the media should be saying, wow, this really means Trump is going to be the nominee. But they're not really saying that, and I don't think he is either. I'm just a little surprised that they're not emphasizing what a historical shift this is. And it's probably going to have something to do with the new rules uh, in the Republican Party. But in any case, I think the guys to watch are three and four, which is Cruz and Jeb. But I really think Cruz is not a uh, is not qualified. He was born in Canada until he proves to me that makes him a natural born citizen of the U.S. I just don't even count him. But uh, that is another thing I can't believe is not getting more attention in the mainstream media. And we can talk about that later in the show. I'm happy to dig into that. There's uh, I've gotten some a, a lot of back and forth during the week, like on my Facebook page, Twitter and email and stuff on that. Love to share that. Uh, so here we are coming into uh, South Carolina. There's going to be a debate tonight. It's going to be Trump, Cruz, Rubio, Bush, Carson, and Kasich. They're the last people standing because Fiorina and Christie dropped out after the New Hampshire primary and Rand dropped out before it. Now, I think that uh, in tonight's debate, I think that the days of a Jeb Bush, a bumbling, fumbling Jeb Bush are behind us. I think that guy is putting on his real face now. He is not, I mean, he's just been too accomplished a guy. He's been bred to this from birth that I just, this didn't seem right to me, that that silly persona he was bringing forward. And I think he's going to start coming out as, uh, like, I think tonight, he's really going to make his mark as competent, strong, level-headed. I think what he's going to do, I think he's going to say some, what sounds like, to most people, smart stuff on Syria and ISIS. Do not be fooled. Do your own research on what's happening in Syria and ISIS. You can go to my website for a start, but just don't take the mainstream media or the government's word on that. But if you, but as far as the official narrative is concerned, I think Bush is going to sound the smartest. And what I think he's going to do tonight, what I think is going to be his strategy going forward, is I think he is going to demonstrate the value of having an insider. He Because he talks real smart about this stuff and he seems to have a plan, it's clear that his exposure to his brother and his father as president gives him an understanding that no outsider could hope to understand. And that means that he can hit the ground running when he takes office. And uh, it's almost like having a professional president, you know, having somebody who's trained from birth to be president. And I think it's kind of, I actually don't think it's a coincidence. Maybe it is, but it's it's funny to me. And I, I, I know people say, you know, people who do think, like I do, there's a power leader, a shadow government or whatever. And and if they really, some people really think that it's very organized, it has cult-like qualities, uses symbolism and words with import. I look at Bush's super PAC, which is called the right to rise, or no, it's called right to rise, as if the right, you know, the political right will rise. And that, to me, there was always something a little funny to me, and I, I kind of feel like it makes me think birthright to rise. Like Jeb is the dynastic choice. He's the dynasty candidate. And it kind of gives me this subconscious sense of 
uh, the 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 divine right of kings, you know, the right to rise, and and he is rising up from the ashes, whatever. It's just a little symbolism. I don't know if it's going to pan out, but I I can't help but feel like he is going to start to try to capitalize on the dynasty thing instead of um, distancing from it. And it's going to be in the context of look at all this experience I have. I think that's going to start coming out tonight in the South Carolina debate. And I think although the polls of South Carolina are still showing Trump as the big leader and Bush as uh, fourth, the poll I saw yesterday was 36% Trump, Cruz 20%, Rubio 15%, Bush 11% of the vote in South Carolina. I saw one today that said Trump 35%, Cruz 16%, Rubio 13%, uh, and Bush 13%. So it doesn't look like Bush is consolidating that non-Trump vote, but I do think that's where it's where it's headed. That's just my gut feeling. But the polling coming out of South Carolina is very weird because I've been looking for South Carolina polls for weeks now. And I have until yesterday, there was nothing since January 23rd. And I thought that is really bizarre. Like, it's almost like anything can happen. You know, I feel like I'm set up like this week's going to be really important. This debate tonight's going to be really important. And and um we could see a lot of movement, and, it, and it, it is actually weird, because when I went back and looked at the New Hampshire, two or three weeks out from New Hampshire, there were 10 polls in this comparable time frame. With Iowa, there were 15 polls about the Republican caucus there. But this South Carolina primary has been poll silent for the past two weeks, and I, I just wonder why. Maybe there's a reason. I haven't. I've looked into it a little bit, and I could not find a reason. But I think that that thin polling is kind of setting us up for a really dramatic, you know, or at least maybe volatile week. Maybe Nikki Haley will endorse Jeb after a strong debate, you know, something dramatic like that. Now, I don't think that means that Trump isn't going to win. I think, uh, you know, it would have to be a really dramatic upset for Trump not to win it. And it is a a winner-take-all state. But uh, but it's really the momentum that matters and not the delegates still at that point. I think what we need to see is some coalescing behind an anti-Trump candidate before March 15th. And the delegates up to this point won't really matter. But I've got lots more to say on that. Some weird things that happened this week with Cruz and a book I read about Donald Trump that was supposed to make me dislike him, I think, but I ended up liking him more. I'm going to read you some quotes from that book and take your calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. WSB meteorologist Kirk Mellish is watching the winter weather threat in the WSB Storm Center. He'll have an update at the top and bottom of each hour this weekend and first thing Monday morning on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Stay tuned for that. Uh, the We've been talking about the South Carolina primaries coming up, New Hampshire's behind us. And I'm going to go to calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Later on in the show at 5 o'clock, in the 5 o'clock hour, I'm on from 3 to 6, I am going to do Ask the Libertarian. So I have posts, tweets, emails, but you can also call at that time. And my uh, 
Twitter is at Monica Press Show. But I'm going to take a call. Uh, you can call with anything, but if generally for anything, uh, call between five and six today. But I am going to go to Dan. Dan, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I love your show. Um, the uh, the election, I think, is kind of going to be a moot point, and it's uh, seeming to point more and more in that direction. Uh, don't know if you're aware of uh, what Obama did on Friday, which is he signed the Patriot Defense of Liberty Enabler Act. What? I did yeah. not hear about that. I know he did yeah. a minimum wage thing. Yep. Nope. Real under the radar. It's uh, it's his latest in a series of executive orders to uh, bring the United States in compliance with the United Nations Agenda 21, as he said. So, yeah, that was done uh, yesterday. And I'll read you a quick little quote here. As president says, his plan will allow the federal government to assume control of all federal territory in case of a national emergency or civil disobedience and enhance Jade Helm protocols. The act would also allow U.N. troops to assist U.S. forces when needed on domestic soil. Wow, you're blowing my mind here because there are a couple. My mind too. Yeah, you got to email that to me. I'm sure I'll be able to find it. But if you could email it to me from my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, that would be great. But you're touching on two things that were already on my list, which is uh, this. I wasn't going to talk about the strong cities today, but there was there is an initiative coming out of the Department of Justice called the Strong Cities Initiative. And I don't remember if Atlanta is one of the first trial cities. I know Atlanta does have some, um, oh, it's a, it's a sustainable city. But the Strong Cities is about fighting extremists in, in, in cities everywhere. It's a UN agenda and having interoperability uh, of law enforcement and having like uh, best practices, sharing law enforcement stuff. So that already made me nervous, but you're talking about uh, federal territories, federal land. This uh, standoff in Oregon, just something doesn't smell right with that. I feel like there might be something more than meets the eye there. I will, let me touch on that at the bottom of the hour when I come back. I'll tell you what I think is kind of funny about the Oregon thing, what to watch out for going forward if this is kind of a uh, an agenda-setting event. And then I want to get back to some of the campaign stuff, uh, some of this funny stuff on Trump, just to keep it keep it light. So you can call on anything between five and six. I do want to get back to the campaign, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. And the Libertarian Voice on WSB, Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. Right before the break, I got a call. Uh, the caller said that I should, or uh, warned us against, an, oh, an executive order Obama signed called the Patriots Offensive Liberty Enabler uh, Act, which would not be an executive order. But I actually saw the executive orders that Obama was signing. One of them was, or I think maybe only one on Friday, was about minimum wage. So I just double-checked, and it looks like that is not really true, this thing that the caller said about the uh, about Obama signing an executive order uh, that would promote Agenda 21. And he said something about Jade Helm. And I, I thought Jade Helm was freaked people out like kind of all in the alternative media and any th- time that's an alternative meme gets a lot of 
support. I I question it because the really significant things are often not uh, don't get that kind of momentum, even in the alternative media. And one of the things that I've been a little suspicious about also, which does go to this land, I think the land use thing, the federal taking over territory, that is a real concern. UN's Habitat One, which was a long time ago, but it lays out that the UN's fundamental philosophy and what it would like to see in the world is that people can own private property, but just not land, that all land should be publicly owned, which of course would be total control of all human beings because the only thing we can't live without is food and water and land, which is not really scarce unless it's completely scooped up by some central authority. So I am very concerned about land issues. They're in the news so much right now. Trump, Trump's strange discussion about eminent domain. You wouldn't have hospitals without eminent domain. It's just not true. And uh, I thought that was a little odd. But of course, the real thing that's calling attention to land property rights is this Oregon standoff where uh, these guys, the Bundys were and others were hole up in in a federal wildlife preserve in Oregon. And, And the whole thing was strange to me. And I always think that something that's meant to get us at each other's throats always has kind of muddled facts And like the Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin thing, it was not a clear cut thing. You could take either side. Same thing with this Oregon standoff. Those people were from out of state and came in to make a point about this federal land. Now, if the federal government is not entitled to land, that land would belong to Oregon or the people of Oregon. So these outsiders didn't really have standing. And, you know, other details were strange to me. Like Clive and Bundy showed up uh, at the last minute and was arrested on charge. You know, when he got to Oregon, he was arrested dramatically on charges that arose from a 2014 event, as if this guy has been, you know, in hiding like El Chapo and they couldn't find him. So why would they take this opportunity? But the the really weirdest thing about the Oregon uh, the Oregon thing was that this was a very big deal. It really was an embarrassment and a challenge to the government on many levels, federal, state, local. When you start messing with the government like that, they throw the book at you. They do not like that. Yet these people were not charged with felony murder after their one of their member was killed by a cop at a at a roadblock. Now, I'm a lawyer. I went to law school in California. I remember the bar in New York. I remember very distinctly that felony murder is when you're in commission of a felony and these people were all charged with a felony. If someone gets killed, even by a cop, during commission of that felony, you, as one of their accomplices, gets charged with felony murder. Not the cop, but you. And so these people should be in big trouble because they started in motion... Uh, an altercation that led to somebody's death. So uh, the fact that they're not getting the book thrown at them is weird to me. I mean, I'm sure that there's that it's been excused in the media. I'm just saying, I look at that, I think it's like a kind of uh, psychological operation meant for some purpose. And I had originally thought it was to make sovereign citizens, people who were defend themselves against the government, look bad. But now I'm starting to think that it's about land changing land use uh, laws land laws like that and not for the better so when snowden came out and everyone was like oh things will be better i said no they won't because i don't buy his story i think he probably still works for the cia 
and and things will get worse. You'll get used to the surveillance state. They'll institutionalize these uh, metadata collection. And they did all that. And things aren't better. They're worse, except for you're used to it. And I feel like this, and I, I kind of saw a tell in the Wall Street Journal because it said uh, uh, an advocate for better land use, whatever laws, uh, a Utah state representative said, I think it has put a spotlight on the intensity of the frustration that begs for a politically productive solution. So now we're begging for, uh, you know, new laws about land rights. I do think there's something to be worried about. I don't dig in so much to all the details of these kind of uh, agenda setting events, but I do try to flag what we should be worried about. And I do think there'll be changes not for the better in how we use the land. But I do want to get back to uh, some of this Trump stuff because I was reading this book about him and I at first I was like man he really sounds like a clown but by the end of the book and the guy the New York Times writer really wants him to sound like a clown but by the end of it I kind of uh, grew uh, more affectionate towards him I'm annoyed with him because I really do think this is a reality show right now and with him and it's funny because Jeb Bush said that this week he said oh this that Trump is putting on a reality show for us and I, I really think that's true and I always have, just like I thought it smacked of a, a wrestling kind of thing. The Cruz Trump thing was like a SmackDown kind of scripted in advance. Then now they, they're using those words. But they weren't for the past few weeks when I was. And I wasn't doing it because I'm a genius. I was doing it because it was obvious. But what was weird was that they weren't pointing out how, uh, how like TV produced it all looked. Uh, but I'm going to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Corey. Incoming, Corey, you're on with Monica. Uh, hi. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Um, well, I wanted to, uh, I, my primary comment is something Donald Trump said about North Korea, but uh, just about the uh, biosphere uh, or the UN uh, Agenda 21 thing. Uh, I was actually driving through uh, northern Arkansas one time going to Austin, and they're actually establishing, like, a U.N. biosphere site in the Ozarks. And uh, they do all kinds of creepy stuff, like fly their white planes and helicopters and stuff. That's the color of the U.N. Um, <laughs> they do all kinds of strange stuff there. Oh, I thought it was and, blue. Uh, my, Are you telling me I should be looking for white? Oh, well, yeah, they fly. Uh, their planes are white. Okay. They don't. Um, that's, like, the color of their vehicles and their planes. And stuff. Right. Okay, keep um, going. Go ahead. Yeah, and my comment about Donald Trump was that, um, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't particularly appreciate him for the most part, but he said something interesting in one in uh, four of the last uh, debates, or four, I don't remember which ones they were, but he mentioned something that, you know, no politician or general will ever mention publicly, and that is that uh, North Korea is, uh, you know, largely controlled by China. They have generals yeah. in their military. And Donald Trump mentioned that, and <laughs> no one even applauded him. And it was probably the most profound thing anyone said in any of the debates about foreign policy. And uh, they just completely ignored him. Yeah, I've noticed that he's floated stuff out there that's very important. A, a few debates ago, he said, it was after the San Bernardino shooting, he said, oh, yeah, and the day after 9-11, uh, the terrorists and their families were, were flown out of the U.S. And he didn't elaborate, but what he was talking about was Saudi Arabians, bin Ladens, 
flown out during the day when 44,000 flights were grounded. They were flown out of the United States. And and then I was like, wow, I, I wonder if he like knows what he that what he's saying is like quite scandalous because Saudi Arabia is an ally of ours, even though 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi and so was Osama bin Laden. But now I've noticed ever since then, Saudi Arabia has been in the crosshairs in the news more and more. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, well, I think really the whole, like, 9-11 thing has kind of been uh, normalized, and it's kind of like a safe place for them to talk about. Yeah, but, yes, um, okay, but but I really feel like Saudi Arabia has never come under attack before, and I've always thought it was completely bizarre that that no one ever talks about how, like, almost all of the people that we know were involved in 9-11 were Saudi. And here was Trump floating that, and at first I thought it was weird or profound or whatever, like you're saying, but then I saw it uh, floating around out there, and I noticed that with Trump quite a bit, which is why I sort of think that he's maybe being fed some lines. And what I read in in the Wall Street Journal this week was that his, the, the name of the article was, the guy who lets Trump be Trump or the guy behind Trump being Trump. And it's about the, his like campaign mastermind is a former Koch brothers operative. And for me as a libertarian, Koch brothers get a lot of heat for being, you know, hardcore libertarians. I don't think they're hardcore libertarians. I think they've basically hijacked the libertarian movement and they're just the same cronyist that a lot of those guys are. And, and I wonder if there's more, that this guy didn't just defect from the Koch brothers and went to anti-establishment Trump, but is actually the liaison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Donald Trump is so off the hook, he just, you know, says what's on his mind. But I, I think it's probably a lot more subtle than that. I think a lot of what he says is probably more orchestrated and engineered uh, than what people think, because if you actually read his books, he's actually a pretty articulate person. He can write very well. You can, you know, he's intelligent. But whenever he speaks, he doesn't really come across as that intelligent. So I think it's probably being uh, manipulated in some way. Yeah, I think he is most certainly uh, his ability to seem very off the cuff, very uh, natural and, and just like flying off the handle, saying these things, saying these shocking things. Uh, the reality is he never really deviates from the core principles of the political establishment, which is we need plenty of welfare and plenty of warfare. He says some things that might sound like he's deviating from that, but ultimately he will not be afraid to inflate government and to spend more money and to bring us these wars without questioning the official narrative at all. But I really don't want to be down on Trump. I was actually loving this book and I and what you said about him being more articulate um, more thoughtful, more intelligent than he comes off is absolutely true, and it's it's quite amusing. So I do want to get to that four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News ninety five five and AM seven fifty WSB. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. WSB meteorologist Kirk Mellish is watching the winter weather threat in the WSB Storm Center. And he's going to have an update at the top and bottom of each hour this weekend and first thing Monday morning on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB, uh, where I am your libertarian voice, Monica Perez, until 6 o'clock today, every Saturday afternoon. And next up, uh, I... I want to continue to talk about the campaign. I want to talk about the super delegate situation where 
Uh, Bernie Sanders trounced Hillary in New Hampshire to the tune of having 22 percentage points over her. But still, they walked away with the same amount of delegates because of the super delegates. And he could literally win every single primary and she could still win the nomination. I want to talk a little bit about that at the top of the hour. Uh, But I want to just squeeze in a few um, what I thought were fun, like interview questions. This is a book written in 2004, published in 2005 about Donald Trump. And it's supposed to make fun of him. But by the time I got to this, I kind of, you know, he kind of grew on me. So... Let me just read a couple of these things for you. He said, the question was to Trump, what is the American dream? He says, the American dream, this is Trump's answer, the American dream is at least perceived as what I have. I think the real dream, whether it's the American dream or otherwise, is just happiness. You can create something where you are happy with yourself. Another thing is, he asks, uh, what's the definition of a good father? The ultimate definition is somebody whose children really love them. If the kids love the parents, that's on the way to being a good definition. His, you know, his grammar isn't great. Here it gets a little racy. You wanna, might want to earmuff your kids. Uh, how would you describe the role of women in your life? Vital and essential. Without women, there is nothing. Vital. It's all about women. You know, it's all about women. Totally important. Do you believe in Viagra? I'll tell you what. I believe in it 100%. Fortunately, I've never used it. I don't need it. But I've always said to friends of mine, if you need Viagra, it's very possible that you are with the wrong woman. I just think that this guy has some, some, uh, he's just funny. Anyway, but speaking of Viagra, I wanted to talk about the uh, porn, (laughs) the porn star star in Ted Cruz's commercial. He pulled the commercial. I want to know if you think he should have. For me, I think it was kind of a... Uh, it seemed like a setup, like the way I, I look at this as really feeling like a reality show. Uh, you know how they like insert these events and then watch the actors respond to it. That's how I felt this weird ad was. I'll talk more about that at the top of the hour. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALKER. You can tweet at me at Monica Perosha. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.